Lord, we thank you for the day. This is the day that you've made, and snow is a gift, and rain is a gift, and we know sunshine's a gift. We know all good gifts come from you, the Father. So we're looking to you, Lord, not just for food, for drink, for weather, for jobs, for life. We're looking to gain wisdom. Spirit of God, teach us what we need to hear. Show us your way. Show us the way of Jesus so that we could walk in it. And as we look to the scriptures, God, we think that they're already full of life, but we want the life in the word to come alive in us. So we ask you to put away the things that are not important so we could see what's most important, which is you. In Jesus' name, and 26 West says, amen. amen. So we're in week two of a series called Seek 21. If you're just visiting, we're in three weeks of intentional uh, fasting and prayer. What's fasting? It's simply saying no to food for a season for a spiritual purpose. What we want is God. And you say, well, God's already there. Well, sometimes I don't see God's nearness. So what I do is I put myself in a place where I'm hungry, where I'm thirsty. Why? Because my senses are awakened to God. I don't know if any of you have tried it. This has been kind of an experiment. We've never done three weeks before. I tell you, it's, it's been life-changing for me. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not playing the preacher card here. I don't want to eat. Like I don't, we're two weeks in, and I'm taking at least one meal a day most of the time, not eating breakfast, not eating lunch, only eating natural things for dinner, fruit, vegetables, uh, things that don't have preservatives, just trying to clean things out. Why? So I could lose weight? No, who cares? So I can live longer? Well, if that's a benefit, great. I want God. And that's what we're going to find out throughout the Bible, that there are people who look to God and find him. Those who seek, find, knock, doors are open, right? And those who don't, don't. So I hope it's been cool for you. It's been so transformational. If you're having some time with God and God in his goodness, a Bible verse comes alive, a thought comes alive, uh, a reminder of something God did. Go to the website. Go to our website, 26westchurch.org. You can see on the main page, Seek 21, click it. And I want to know, I've been praying through. So many of you have, have written in things you're praying about, things you're rejoicing in. And I want to join. Our team wants to join in that. So you still have this week to do it, all right? And it ends on Saturday, so donuts return on Sunday. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, although I'm not kidding, um, I have to process it, but I'll say it. Uh, I really think that in worship, I'm just going to keep going. I think I'm going to go 40 because uh, why not? Like, why not? Who cares? You can't lose seeking God. You can lose if you don't. Hashtag that. All right. Luke, 20, uh, Luke 3 verse 21 is where we're going to be. But I want your eyes on that. But I, I want to share an experience I had, and it relates to Luke 3, so be patient. Uh, on Tuesday, I just doing my time with God and reading through the Bible in a year. I just, I think that's helpful. And I got to Psalm 23 on Tuesday and I shared this with our team and Nate was like, man, you just need to share that this morning. So I, I am in obedience to my elder and the Lord, Nate Kupish. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. It's probably the most popular Psalm out there. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. That's the New Living Translation. And then it goes on. And you have this analogy, right? You have a shepherd and a sheep, and there's the shepherd's guiding. And then, you know, if I go through the valley, you're with me, right? And even before my enemies, you prepare a table before me in the presence. In other words, I'm eating and feasting, and I'm not scared to death, even though they've got swords, because God is with me. 
When I'm tired, I, uh, he, he, he quiets me in grass and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. So that's really cool. So I'm, I'm, I'm reading that as I'm on the couch in my house with the BDE. I don't know if you have a BDE. It's probably impossible. There's only one BDE. It's our initials. We have a dog. Uh, her name is Daisy. But we call her the BDE. Daisy the BDE. Best dog ever. <laughs> right? If you have a dog, it's okay. But our dog's the best dog ever. We have one dog with probably 15 names. We just, I don't know, do you do that with pets? Maybe we, like, we have all these names. And she answers to anyone because she knows when she answers, she gets something in her mouth, which is kind of cool. Well, anyway, Daisy's the BDE. We're going to throw up a photo of Daisy in green pastures. I mean, come on. Look at that dog. I mean, she's just amazing. Now, Daisy got the weather forecast and that there's supposed to be snow tonight and tomorrow. But Daisy's ready. Check this out. She's ready for snow tomorrow. She's ready to go. And then I couldn't bring her here because some of you are not dog people or are allergic. And so Daisy wanted to say hello this morning. She's like, what's up? Ha! That's my little, that's the, Daisy's the BDE. And so she's got a little bed and it's in the corner of our room. And when we go up to bed, she just goes there. She's not like, oh, it's time, boop, 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 and she lays there. And then no matter what time I get up in the morning, I'm an early riser if I'm trouble sleeping. If we go down in the middle of the night, as soon as I get out of the bed, Daisy's ears perk up, and she just goes and, and to the top of the stairs. I go down. She's like, are you everything all right? And if I stay down there, or anyone stays down there, our kids go down, my wife goes down, she goes down, and she's on the level with you. If I'm having trouble sleeping, and I you know, go on the couch to read and fall asleep, I'll wake up, and she is right there. When I wake up to do prayer time, we do morning devotions together. She's really into the Bible. I'm not kidding. I make coffee, and... She'll wait upstairs at the top of the stairs. I'm making coffee. I go over to sit on the couch. The moment I hit the couch, the pitter-patter of her feet comes down the stairs. She comes up. I'm on the edge of the couch. There's a little end here. And she squeezes between me and the end of the couch. She like nuzzles in and drops her little snoot on my leg and says, all right, bring it on. Talk to Jesus. She doesn't say that. But that's what she's thinking. And uh, 7 o'clock on the dot, she has an internal engine uh, internal clock. She knows seven o'clock. She'll just start whapping her tail. Seven o'clock every morning. She's like, Dad, it's my feeding time. She knows it's seven o'clock. Five in the evening. But she won't like force me. But she'll just go start licking her lips. She just licks her little lips. And then we get up and feed her, and all is well. And I'm not kidding. On Tuesday, this happens every day. This happened for years. Like she's maybe your dog doesn't do that. Maybe you have a cat and. Um, you know, so <laughs> we did have a cat. I'm actually, I love cats. I love birds. I love, I love animals. But uh, I, I had this sense this morning as I'm reading Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. And that the Lord was saying, just look at Daisy, Jose. Look at Daisy. She has everything she needs. And so why are you worried about like your day when she just wants to be with you? Wasn't that Helpful, like a helpful reminder. Like, she just wants to be where you are. Wherever you are, that's where she goes. And where, when she's where you are, she is everything she needs, which is why when I've gone on a trip, I come back and she, you know, you, she whaps her tail. Like, when you get home, she whaps it so uncontrollably and grown, she falls over. And she's, it just, she just doesn't know what to do with herself because in her view, I have what she needs. I'm the person that she needs. And now I'm not su suggesting you're a dog. And I'm not saying that we come to God like pets, right? But I am saying that sometimes we miss the obvious. 
God is who I need. And so God can even use a simple thing like a flower or like Psalm 23, a visual of a shepherd and a sheep to remind you and me it's not about animals, it's about God and about your life. Well, all of that frames up Luke 3. We're going to start in verse 21, and I want us to look at Jesus and his experience with the Father as a pattern for seeing my experience with the Father and your experience with the Father. It says one day Jesus, oh, I'm sorry, one day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized, and as he was praying, the heavens opened. The Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove, so people see it. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry. Now, Jesus hadn't done anything yet. Here's what I want us to get. Jesus hadn't done anything publicly. And so people don't know who he is. He hadn't taught any major messages. He hadn't healed anyone. He hadn't done the miraculous Jesus, though, is known by the Father. And what's the first thing the Father does to the Son? He says in public what he'd seen in private. I want us to get this. Why should we seek God? Like, not to be seen. Remember, we looked in week one of this series that Jesus says, when you fast, don't look like you're fasting. Why? Everyone else wants to look spiritual. You do it before the Father, and your reward's going to be great. Why? The Father's watching. And when you give, don't be like everybody else who throws big checks in. Say, look how rich I am and how generous. No, you don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. When you give, give in secret. Why? The Father is watching what you do when no one else sees. And the Father will reward you. And so in the same way, what the Father... Now, Jesus said those words, right? Sermon on the Mount. Why? Because he experienced those words. Jesus saw and experienced the pleasure of his father because what he'd been doing for 30 years in obscurity shows up in public. In other words, what God wants to do in your life in private will be the thing that he uses in public. So if you have no life with God in private, don't expect him to work through you in public. But rather, what happens on the outside should be the overflow that's happening on the inside. So the Father announces to everyone, this is my boy. And I take great pleasure in him. Listen to him. And so what you see here in this little encounter, we're going to keep reading. In this little encounter are two things. The voice of the Father saying, I love you. I love you. This is my boy. And I think when we come together, that should happen in your life. When we get together, that should happen. I hope that you, when you came, my prayer for you this morning is that you'd leave here with the sense of the love of the Father, that he really cares about you. You say, well, you don't know who I am. No, 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 no. Maybe he loves the other guy. Maybe he loves the girl down the road from me because she looks like she's encountering God, and I know I'm not. You just need to know God loves you. That's why he's done everything he's done. That's why we read the Bible because we see the real activity the very real activity of a God who knows people by name and he actually loves them, even though they're rebellious, which is so frustrating. But if you're a parent, you just know that to be true, don't you? That your kids don't have to do what's right in order for you to love them. It's because you love them, you want to see them do what's right. And so in the same way, the Father loves you. You say, well, I'm messing up my life. As a matter of fact, I'm against God right now. Well, he loves you anyway. And so the hope is that the people who are around Jesus being baptized, the hope was that they would hear the voice of the Father speaking to the Son 
and follow the Son. So hopefully this morning you'll, you'll want to follow Jesus. Why? Because you realize he cares about you deeply. The second thing you see here is God's presence in the Holy Spirit, right? So you have the voice of the Father, and then the Spirit comes on Jesus in the form of a, somehow in nature God was seen in this descending of a dove on Jesus and, and what God wanted them to know, and he wants you to know, and he wants me to know, is that now where Jesus goes, the presence of, of the Father is with him. Not just for a moment, Jesus is baptized in water, but really, he encounters the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, in a new way. And out of that, some crazy cool things are going to happen. But look at what happens next. I want you to look at chapter 4, because it ends, uh, go to the end of chapter 3, chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus now, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, state the obvious, Bible, he was what? Hungry. Have you tried fasting over the last two weeks? Some of you, you haven't yet. So what? No guilt trip. Try one meal this week. Choose to say no to one meal. Say, I can't do that. Yes, you can. One meal this week with a purpose that you would take that 20 minutes of preparing it or 15 minutes of eating it, and that time is Jesus' time, and listen to your favorite worship or read your favorite book, open your Bible, go on a walk, and say, God, I would have eaten, but you're more important right now. Anything you have to say to me. Well, Jesus happens to be doing this in the desert. See, we're doing it in Oregon and like we have moisture, you know, like your skin looks really, really good right now because you haven't seen the sun in 3,000 years. <laughs> and so like, you're, you know, you're all, you're all good. And, and, um, and you have access to food. Now Jesus is in a real desert, physical desert, which is blazing hot. And he has no food for 40 days. And he's in a difficult place. Notice the presence of God is now on Jesus in a way he had never experienced. And what's the first thing that happens? He's sent out to a desert place. Not by accident. Not, not, not even by Jesus' own leading. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit, ends up in the desert. In other words, you can follow Jesus and there's no guarantee he's going to take you straight to the happy place. I think Jesus has a happy place for you. I think he has a happy place for me. But following him does not guarantee you straight line. Wow, presence with the Father, now everything's okay. If you come to Jesus, everything's going to be all right. Sure, sort of, eventually. But in Jesus' life, the first thing that happens is he goes hungry. And he ends up with the tempter, the devil, in his face. So don't be surprised when you choose to follow Jesus and you end up facing trials and temptations. The Bible tells us it's going to happen. Sometimes we just don't want to believe it. Well, look what happens. Verse 3, the devil said to him, if you're the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. And then the devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I'll give you all their authority and splendor. It's been given to me. I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it'll be yours. And Jesus says, it's written, worship the Lord your God, serve him only. So the devil leads him up to Jerusalem, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, throw yourself, throw yourself down here. It's written. 
This is what the Bible says. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They'll lift, up, they'll lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then when the devil had finished all of his tempting, so you're only getting three. Nowhere does it suggest he had no others. You're just getting three. When the devil had finished all of his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Now, what is God longing to do? I, I don't know what God wants to do in your life. I know a few things he may want to do in your life. I want to suggest at least one thing he definitely would want to do in your life today, if I could be that bold, and I will. God wants to draw us into a life of humble dependence. I know that. There's certain things like, where does God want you to go to school? I don't know. Who does he want you to marry? I don't know. What job? I don't know. What car? I don't know. Electric sounds good. Whatever. But I could tell you what he wants to do in your life. He wants to draw you away from independence or self-dependence into a life of humble dependence. Why do I know that? Look at the life of Jesus, verse 2. He ate nothing during those days. At the end, he's hungry, and the devil comes to him. And says to the Son of God, you take this and you make it bread. In other words, Jesus, you got this. Why are you going hungry? I know who you are. You could do whatever you want. Use your power. You don't have to live hungry. You don't have to depend on the Father. You can make it happen. And Jesus, this is so fascinating. Sometimes we forget it. Jesus is humbled. Yes, he's God. But if I read my Bible right, he's really a man. Real flesh and blood. And Jesus is put in a humbled place. I go two, three meals, and you don't want to be around me anymore. Jesus loves me. You don't want to be around me because my, my stomach starts to take over my brain. But what, what would it look like for us to live in humble dependence without food, without all this? So some of us think in life, we really think, that God, you know what some people are going through, but you ever say to God, God, you don't know what I'm going through. Or to another Christian, man, I mean, if God knew what I was really going through right now, he would do something. Can I clue you in? Look at the life of Jesus. He knows exactly what you're going through. You try sitting in the desert for 40 days with no food, and you know struggle. Is Jesus acquainted with anxiety? Yes, when you're sitting in the desert and you have no food and water, your mind goes to anxiety. Can, can Jesus understand depression? How about your, one of your best buddies sells you for 30 silver coins like you were a piece of meat and they take you away and beat you up and throw you to your death and all your buddies check out and run like chickens. <laughs> Jesus is acquainted not only with the highs of life. He's there and he sees the dead raise the last. Lazarus, come out! And freaks everybody out. Lazarus is four days dead. He walks out of the tomb and says, breakfast? Because the Bible says they gave him something to eat. Because that boy was hungry. And sometimes we think that Jesus doesn't understand what we're going through. I need us to know he really knows what we're going through. And if we don't get that, 
then it's hard to press into God's presence and lean on him. Because if you think God's way up there and I'm here and if you knew, but I'm just going to make it happen myself because God, you're nowhere to be found. What we're going to do is we're going to do our own thing in our own power and we're going to give in to the temptation of the devil, which is exactly the first thing he tempts Jesus with, is you can make it happen. And you know what? In life, here's the scary part because we're American and God's given us more than we deserve. You can make it happen. I think that's probably the most frustrating part of your and my spiritual development is you don't need God. Go to your fridge. You can eat all you want. You just need a weekend away, go. Bend is quite snowy right now. Go have a little holiday. Uh, you don't like what you're wearing, go out and get clothes. You don't have to go anywhere right now while I'm talking. You could have it Amazon Prime to you. You don't even have to go anywhere. And you know, if you don't like it, you, you, you didn't pay for shipping because those who do, that doesn't make any sense. You could ship it back for free. We don't, need, we don't need anything. So why would I need a God I can't see when I can do everything? I can make I can make bread out of rocks. I got it. I've got this. And what Jesus does is, remember, God the Holy Spirit, this is amazing. God the Spirit is with Jesus, leading him and guiding him. And God the Father is with Jesus in the desert. How do I know that? Because Jesus quotes the words of his Father. Man will not live by bread alone, but of every word that comes out of the mouth of God. He quotes the Bible. That's the word of the Father, Deuteronomy 8. And all three times Jesus is tempted, he quotes from Deuteronomy, the word of God. Interestingly, not even just the word of God, he quotes from Deuteronomy, which Deuteronomy is a repeat 40 years later of Exodus. So Jesus repeats what Moses said already happened 40 years ago. In other words, Jesus presses into the faithfulness of God over decades. He quotes Moses, who was there when God the Father rescued Israel and so Jesus can come to the tempter and say, yeah, nice try, but I know God and I know how he works and I know the Father provides bread and water in the desert. I don't need to live dependent on myself. The Holy Spirit is here with me. God's presence is here with me. And I know the Father's words and I have the Father's presence and the Father and I are one and we're united. And so I'm not gonna cave in to this test or this temptation. What am I saying? I'm saying testing and temptation are ultimately about trust. What you're going through is not about the issue. God is about something bigger than the issue. You say, well, man, why did this happen to me? And why did that happen to me? Or why won't God do this? And let me tell you, God can take care of the details. You say, well, how can God take care of the details? He can cause blood, water to turn to blood and freak everyone out. But then that same God can cause hail to rain on the Egyptians, but in the same place, the hail not land on where Israel is living. He's the God of details. So the moment I think that I need to make it happen and I can make it happen and I've got what it takes, then I'm I'm missing the point of the test. The point of the test of the temptation is not like whether you're going to make it or not. It's about who you're going to depend on. Who are you trusting? And so let me just ask you, in the situation you're facing right now, who are you trusting? Who are you trusting to give you the enabling power to make it through what you're going through? You're either trusting yourself 
or some form of yourself, like your network, your family, even your church. Man, I think we're okay. Don't trust us. Trust Jesus. And Jesus works through his church, so that's a great place to start. But when you look at these temptations, you see this pattern. The enemy wants to pull you away from trusting the loving care of the Father. He doesn't want you to know that he's with you. And he doesn't want you to remember what he's already done. Which is why I'm not going to go through all of the the three trials, the three tests, because they say the same thing. We'll just do the second. Just If you don't believe me, we'll do the second one. Verse 5 of Luke 4. The devil led him up to a high place, show him an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I'll give you all their authority and splendor. It's been given to me. I can give it to anyone I want. Worship me. It'll be yours. And Jesus said, it is written. Worship the Lord your God. Serve him only. Jesus is full of authority. He's been authorized in his baptism to go and complete the work of the Father But not the Father's way. What the enemy wants to do is take... Now, Jesus is a king. Here's the play on words here. Jesus is a very real king. But what the devil is doing is twisting. You're the king. You're the king, Jesus. Oh, oh, by the way, I can give you what you need. I can get you to the place. The Father has sent you to be the king of the universe. I can get you there. Trust trust me. And, and, And everything that's mine will be yours. And in the same way... God's gifted you with all sorts of things. But you know what? The gifts that he's given you, the abilities he's given you, the experience he's given you has never been intended to supplement and replace him. It's funny. We love God when we're broke because sky's the limit, but we're on the bottom. But the higher we go, the less we need God because now I've got. And so blessed are the poor, Jesus says. And at the same token, The same Jesus says, man, guys, I feel bad for the rich. She's like, and the disciples are like, what? Yeah, it's it's really hard for them to get in. Because Jesus is acquainted with our humanness. And he knows the more we have, the less we're going to lean on him. It doesn't have to be that way. That's not God's will for your life, but it often is that way if we're not not attuned to the, the devil's traps. So Jesus knows the truth, and he hears a lie, and he discerns a lie, and he speaks the truth, and there's nothing the enemy can do to get Jesus off, which is so helpful. In other words, the devil's tricks are ancient and effective. Here's what the devil wants to do in your life. And I keep saying the word devil, and I know internally, here's what you're doing. Like, you believe in the pitchfork guy? Like, no, I don't believe in the, you know, the the tail and the pitchfork and wearing red, although red's not my color. You know, like, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I think that caricature is interesting. But let me tell you, you can be highly educated. If you don't believe that evil has a source in the fallen worshiping angel called the devil or Satan, if you actually think that there isn't a real personality out there trying to seek to kill and steal and destroy your life, then you are clueless and you're already in trouble. If you don't think that there's real evil out there, and I'm not saying generic evil, like evil that we experience in, in broad, I'm talking about real personified evil. Demon powers, if you don't think demons are real, brother, sister, you may have a PhD, but you need a PhD in common sense. 
The Bible is true. There are real spiritual powers and principalities on this earth that you can't see. Just like you're breathing oxygen that you can't see. And you're succumb to gravity that you can't see. There are real forces that you can't see. And if we don't wake up to the testing and tempting of the evil one, and we forget that God is stronger. So here's where we get in the test. So I'm like, oh man, should I be scared of the devil? No, I'm not scared of the devil. I recognize the devil's power, but I am more attuned right now to God's power. You see, Jesus overcomes the lies of the enemy every single time. Now, sometimes I give in. Wouldn't you agree? We give in. We, we're the ones who listen to the enemy's lies instead of listening to the voice of God. We forget that the Holy Spirit's with us. We forget that the Father said, I love you. You can follow me, really. And we go off and we do our own thing. Here's the good news. Jesus never fails. This is so good. Evidently, you're all fasting because you look so sad right now. Jesus never fails. He never fails the test. So I am not Jesus. What I'm not saying is like, as God brings you to the desert, you're going to be Jesus. No, you're not Jesus. I'm not Jesus, but I'm following Jesus. And so there are things that I can learn and I can step into. And as I go through my desert and you go through your desert, you're not alone. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are working in you and with you and through you to bring you to the other side that the enemy would be defeated and God's purposes would happen in your life. And I think there's, there's, there's things we need to remember about Jesus. Look, Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted or tested in every way, just as we are, yet he didn't sin. Which is good news, but that's not the end. Let us then, in light of Jesus' victory, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we can receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus' life is now your life. Jesus' victory is now your victory. Jesus' love is now your love. Now that I'm following him, I get to come to Jesus, the great high priest, who's not far off and say, Jesus, man, I am struggling and you know it and I know it. Will you be my victory? Now, how do we step into this? I don't think it's by accident. Here's what we want. Here's what we want. We want to do our own thing. We want to go our own way. We want to live lazy lives. And we want Jesus with his cape to swoop in and be super Jesus in our desperate, desperate moment of need. That's what we want. Now, I'm not typecasting you. I just know me. <laughs> I'm saying what we want is no discipline, no seeking, no looking, no hunger, no desperation. But what we want is Jesus to swoop in. Why? Because you love me. And what he's saying is that's okay when you just start. Like, when you just get it going? If you want super, super Jesus with the cape, fantastic. But you know what? Ten years later, you should see Jesus for who he really is. And learn that when I press into him, I realize he's right there. And I don't succumb to worry. So three things we can do. I want you to write them down. And as we fast and pray this week, press into these. These aren't the only, these probably aren't even the best. But they're the ones that I think the Holy Spirit awakened my mind to as I thought about you this week. Number one, we encounter God in and through the scriptures. No news there, okay? 
we beat this as hard as we can. It's about just about every week you, you come here. Let me give you the tip. I'm going to cry. All right, that's going to happen every week. It happened before I got up, so I got it out of my system, right? The second thing that's going to happen is you're going to hear about the Bible every week. Why? Because it is the primary way that you and I encounter God. Oh, I want God, Jose. God seems to speak to you, Jose. Yeah, he does. He actually speaks to me a lot. And 99.9% of the time, it is when I open my Bible and these words, which these are about 10-point font, maybe 11-point font, they become 10,000-point font. And I'm like, wow! And then I realized that's not me. That's the Holy Spirit of God making the truth of God big in my view. So if you never encounter the scriptures, I'm going to suggest something. You're going to have a real hard time encountering God. A really hard time. You say, well, man, the Bible is really hard. I don't understand it. I think if you will put your eyes to the book, guess what? The author is right there. God, the Holy Spirit, who authored the author's authoring of the pages. He's right there. And he's like, okay, I, knew, I know you didn't go to class. But let me clue you in. Here's the cheat sheet. He'll, he'll clue you in. But we've said it's too hard. And then there's this thing called thebibleproject.com, which you hear about every third week, where you could go for free and look at, with fun videos, overviews, and outlines of resources to every book in the Bible, but we're so stupidly lazy. Lazy. We want super Jesus. And he's saying, I am super and I've given you my word. Do you even care? So we encounter God in and through the scriptures. And my friends, this is a discipline. It's an art. It's something we do. You say, well, I thought following Jesus was all about grace. And it is. God's grace, the favor you don't deserve, you didn't earn, you get it. And God's grace gives you the ability to live in obedience. So if all you want is God's grace with no view towards obedience, you, my friend, are delusional. And why do you speak so meanly? Because we've been saying this softly for so long, but I feel like nobody's listening. So we just turn up the heat. Welcome. And I haven't eaten. So I told you, you don't want me after three meals. <laughs> oh, Lord. Second thing, we, we encounter God by the presence of the Holy Spirit. We encounter God by the presence of of the Holy Spirit. So I need the Bible because I'll never know the voice of God apart from the Bible. Never. Here's why. There are lots of voices and even the devil knows how to twist the words of the Bible, quote half of the Bible, misalign the Bible. So without knowing the full counsel of what God has said and is saying, when the Holy Spirit is saying, this is what you need to know, I'm never going to know it's him. But it's not just the Bible. So you say like, well, all I read is the Bible. No, 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 no. I'm open to the speaking of the Holy Spirit, the person of God who came in, the, in bodily form as a dove and descended on Jesus. Hear me. This is revolutionary. Now lives inside of you. Well, where? I don't know. I, don't know. I'm, I'm, I know a few dimensions, but I know that scientists are smart enough to realize that there are other dimensions that we don't even understand, Right? And so somehow, when the Bible says in, it means in. So the whole God is not just out there. God is at work 
in my life. So what I want to do is press into, not just this is what I read, but Holy Spirit, author of life, you who are here, I need you. I need you to even know what to pray. Most of the time, I don't even know what to pray. So what I do is, and this is a side note, tip, if it helps, it helps. This is not religious, if it's helpful. I read the Bible first, and then I pray. Why? I don't even know what to pray for. So I read the Bible, and as I read the Bible and something stands out, I make that my prayer. I, I make it like, wow, that was crazy. Lord, I don't understand your ways. Wow, Lord, you, you did that miracle. Lord, will you do that in our world? So I, I take the Bible, and I just try to make it to what's going on in my experience, and then I just go freestyle, and I just talk. I just talk with God while petting my dog on the couch, and Daisy loves Jesus somehow. She's just there, and I just have this time with God, and I do it before anyone else wakes up. It's called discipline, people. Why? The moment my email kicks in, my brain goes wonky. No social media, no, I don't care. Now, I use my phone as the, to guide me in the reading plan, but it's called discipline to not hit the apps. Do you know you cannot hit your apps on your phone? And why do we speak with such simplicity? Because I think we've gotten so out of whack that we fall into the same old traps. Third thing, we're done. We confirm what God is saying through his family, the church. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit... God himself lives in the perfect community called love. I don't understand how this works. But God is love, and God is the Father, and God is the Son, and God is the Holy Spirit, and the Father is not the Son, and the Spirit's not the Son, or the Father. They are uniquely different, but they are the one true God, and who is God? God is love. So, how do I know that God is speaking? Community. Well, if you're going to read the Bible, and you're going to trust the Holy Spirit, Lord, help me ground yourself in a local church because people who read the Bible and think they're following the Holy Spirit go off base without the church because there are other people full of the Holy Spirit who could say, yeah, you're saying that, Jose, but did you realize that the Bible also says? <laughs> I have had multiple people, I'll be specific, come to my life and say, God wants me to leave this person that I made a covenant with and he's okay with it, and he's opened the door to someone else. And, and I have peace in my soul. I, I totally have peace in my soul that this is the right thing to do. And I've prayed about it, and I've thought about it, and I've waited for a while. And I'm like, no, he's not told you to do that. No, you can do that. He, he hasn't told you to do that. And will look me dead in the eye as if I come from Mars. We need the church because sometimes when we're reading and we're hearing, the devil's also on our shoulder twisting our thoughts and causing us to ignore massive swaths of the good book. So I don't just need the Bible and I don't just need the Spirit. I need the church, capital C. I need you. I need me. And that's why I can have Nate speaking in my life and say, Jose, that little dog picture thing, you need to share that on Sunday. Because we need each other to hear the voice of God. So why is this important? And catch this. If I made you a little mad, I'm glad. But catch this. Why is this important? Because of Luke 4 and 5 and 6. You see, 
Jesus is being shaped for the Father's work. And so once this season of testing ends, Jesus goes out and does the Father's work, which means seeking has a purpose. And you and I are to be seeking and asking and knocking because God wants to do things in our world and the Lord has things for you and as for me. And I don't want to miss out on any of the Father's work. It's why a growing prayer life is so important. It's so important because I need direction and Jesus goes from town to town and you read the Gospels, you find that Jesus often withdraws to a quiet place to be with the Father early in the morning and then the disciples say, hey, come here, there's a crowd waiting for you and Jesus says, no, we need to leave. I was called to that town too. So Jesus doesn't listen to the voice of the disciples. He listens to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And if I'm gonna follow him, I need that kind of rhythm in my world. Here's good news, God wants it that's why God put us in the season to remind us he wants to do it. So I'm satisfied in the goodness of God, but I'm dissatisfied with how much of me he has. I'm not disappointed in God. He's, he's stellar. But I'm disappointed with how much of my life I've given over to him. So we press in. We want more. We ask. We seek. We knock. And so we're going to do that together. I'm going to invite you to stand if you would. And we want to invite the Holy Spirit to now guide even our response. We want to, we want to walk in his ways. We want to love him with all that we are. And we want to experience his presence. So, friend, this isn't the checkout time. This is the press-in time. This is where we get to say, okay, I've heard this. Now, God, will you do that? So as I pray, I hope it just sets you up for an experience with the living God. And as we sing, use the songs. May the songs be a good excuse for you to press into the presence of Jesus. May the songs help fuel your mind to not get off track with lunch and all sorts of secondary things and press into the presence of Jesus. Holy Spirit of God, we need you. We long for you. We don't even realize how much of you we need. So we invite you now, the things that are keeping us from your presence, the sin in our life, we confess it to you. The rebellion, we confess it to you. The ignoring of you, we confess it to you. God, we want tomorrow to be a new day. We want this week to be a new week. We want to walk with you and live out the mission that you've assigned to us, just like you did your servant Jesus. So we have our mission identified by you, but we don't know what it is. We don't know where, we don't know who, we don't know how, but we're seeking and we're trusting. God, come now, direct us, your sons and daughters, we pray. And if you believe that in Jesus' name, let's say it together, amen.